wanting great is thy faithfulness this morning because she I just said can you just do the real one like the real song <laughs> you know not the made up one just the great is thy cuz it, it fits cuz if I you know Lisa contacted me what's the title of your sermon and um had to think of one I didn't really have one at the time and but basically the title of today's sermon is God keeps his promises no matter what. So, last week's sermon was Jacob the schemer surrounded by schemers or the scoundrel. And I, I painted a rather bleak picture of Jacob uh, last week. But uh, truth be told, he was a bit of a schemer and a bit of a scoundrel. And he had schemers and scoundrels all around him. And he stole his brother's birthright, a double portion of, the, of Esau's inheritance. Uh, he, he with a with a bowl of stew, he basically sold Esau sold it. With his mother's help, he took a, he deceived his father, and uh, stole the blessing from Esau. And uh, yeah, and then he went, <laughs> he ran away. He did a runner to his uncle Laban's house, and his, uh, and uh, he met the greatest schemer, <laughs> Laban, who, you know, suckered him into working for 21 years, changed his wages 10 times, uh, said, hey, if you work for seven years, I'll let you marry my daughter. There was a bit of problem in what he meant by daughter and who, Ra- who Jacob thought he was going to marry, and he married Leah, who was not conventionally attractive, and then married, worked for seven more years, married Rachel. And uh, he wanted to leave his uncle, and he said, "Hey, uh, tell you what, I'm just going to take all the all the striped and spotted sheep and goats. You can keep all the rest, but I'm going to leave. I'll just take all the ones that aren't perfect." And Laban, not to be outdone, said, "Okay, that sounds awesome." And uh, a day before they were supposed to separate the sheep from the goats, he had his sons take all those sheep and goats three days away. So when Jacob went out to look at the flock, it was all perfect lambs. Now God, in his wisdom, <laughs> had another plan. And if, if Jacob put a stick in the water trough, then the goat or the sheep that drank from it would become spotted and became strong. And he eventually, by God's help, had a very healthy uh, flock. You know, when Esau came out to meet him, he... Uh, Jacob was afraid. He tried to bribe Esau to begin with, right? He said, okay, send him a bunch of sheep and stuff and maybe he won't kill me. But Esau, you know, for all that was done to him, came out and just forgave his brother. He hugged him. He embraced him and and said, hey, come with me. Follow me to my town and and we'll have a big celebration. And and Jacob, even then, not really sure, said, well, you know, my... My sheep and goats are kind of sickly and my kids are kind of weak and I don't know if we're going to make it. So we'll follow you. It might take us a day or so. And then he just went off in a different direction, right? Yet, behind this story, that was kind of the negative picture I had. Behind this story of, of deceit is this other story. Uh, it's a story of God and His irresistible grace his mercy and his compassion, his infinite love and faithfulness to a messed up man and his family. And sometimes I think it's to me. We're not a messed up family. Jen looks after that part. So there are two sides in my story of Jacob. And there's two stories that come. 
And we'll read them both this morning. The first is found in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 17. And this is when Jacob is doing a runner. He's just stolen the blessing from Esau. He's afraid Esau is going to kill him. So his mother arranges for him to go. And even his dad says, you better go see your uncle Laban because you're in trouble. <laughs> so Jacob is running away. And it says, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Not only did this story become the base of one of the greatest rock anthems of all time, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, White Album. <laughs> And we have to remember that it did take place when Jacob was running for his life. And God gave Jacob, this schemer scoundrel, a glimpse into heaven. He got a glimpse into the heavenlies and saw heavenly bodies going up and down. And he, and when, and, and God repeated the promise that he'd made to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. The promise was, and behold, I am the Lord your God of Abraham your father. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad from west to east and north and south. And in you, your offspring, shall all the families of earth be blessed. So that was God's promise to Jacob, repeating the promise he made to his father. who he called out of this, like, You've got to remember, Abraham knew nothing of who this God was when he came to an Ur and said, Abraham, leave everything and go to the land which I'm going to show you. And Abraham picked up everything and went. Abraham had no idea who God was. He was a pagan in a pagan land, in a pagan city. But this God spoke to him and called him out and gave him these promises. And it's a promise that not only extended through the the family of Abraham, we are the family of Abraham as well. Because the promise God made was to everyone, to the whole world. There's another story in Genesis 32. This comes uh, just before Jacob is going to meet Esau. And uh, 
he is uh, he's on his way, getting ready to meet Esau, and uh, this is how it goes, starting in verse 22. The same night he arose and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven children and crossed the ford at Jabbok. And he took them and set them across the stream, everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said to him, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. And he said, Why is that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel and said, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Jacob wrestled with God and he prevailed. In fact, some, he might be the only person in all of history to actually have seen God face to face and survived. Um, Hosea says he wrestled with an angel. But he, got, he wrestled with God, and he wrestled with man, and he prevailed, and God blessed him. Jaisal, J, Jacob wrestled his opponent. And I have a picture of these two men rolling around in the dust. <laughs> the dust puffing up and and they're sweating and they're breathing heavy and they're struggling against each other and each trying to gain a hold on a slick wet body and at the end completely spent uh, laying on their backs chest heaving and God reaches over and ends the battle with a touch on Jacob's hip. I remember myself many dark nights of the soul when I wrestled with God. And I think we can all remember that times alone in the middle of the night on my knees asking God to help me, weeping tears of frustration, sadness, lamenting my own human sin, just asking God, just give me something to hold on to because I'm losing my grip. There are, many, there are those nights I wrestle with God and on many I get up and I feel nothing has changed. I'm still in the same situation. I was in before. My circumstances have not magically disappeared. There was no magic fairy wand that took away all the bad and hurt and pain away. All I had was what I know to be true, and that is that God keeps His promises no matter what. I just want to ask, when those times come, or when there are times like that or times of joy, what promises anchor your soul? What promises of God anchor you through times of hardship, through times of joy, through any time? Hmm? Yeah, God has promised that He'll meet our needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. One that anchored me through through last March, April, when really didn't know what was going on in the planet. We still really don't really know, but we have a better idea than we did then. Is one that was is in Philippians. My God shall supply your need, all your needs according to His riches and glory. That was a uh, one that, yeah, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I agree with you know with Burn. And, and there's times when the only hope we have is that He was going to come back. That's a promise He made. One that uh, you know I I hold on to, and I think many of us do, as we have uh, loved ones or children that seem to have strayed and wandered. As uh, uh, God said that He has started a good work, will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion in His own way. Uh, I was fishing yesterday, and we had a we were having a good chat, and I we were talking about our kids and and. Uh, you know, I just said, listen, I said, there was a sermon Donnie preached 15 years ago. It's, it's considering all the sermons I had, how I remember one. <laughs> I should remember more than one. But he said, Gore, he said in the sermon, he said, do you believe that Jesus is Lord of your life? And the answer, yes. And then he said, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord of your children's life? And I went, well, kinda. <laughs> that was my answer, but it was hard because I we were you know there's times you go through life and you're watching your children make decisions that you wouldn't make or maybe you have made and wish you hadn't, and you can go. God is Lord of their lives. He started a good work. He'll bring it to completion. It's, but He's Lord of their life. He has a plan and purpose for them, and I have no control over that. And that was uh, yeah. So in the first story, Jacob has this dream and he gets a glimpse of the heavens. God comes to him and says, I am the Lord your God of Abraham, your father. And he repeats the promise that he made Abraham. He repeats the promise that he made to Isaac. Jacob running for his life, he lied, cheated, schemed, stole from his brother, everything. And he saw his brother Esau, thought was going to kill him. And God came to him and did not say, Jacob, you snake, you scoundrel, you schemer, <laughs> shame on you. No, he came to Jacob and he reminded him of the promise he had made to his grandfather. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. Jacob gets up and makes an altar out of stone and poured oil on it and worshipped God, naming the place Bethel, the house of God. Um, I have to remember now. There's, <laughs> everybody knows the story, Come thou fount of every breath, like the hymn, right? And there's the first, the second verse starts, raise, <laughs> Now I raise my Ebenezer. I always wondered what an Ebenezer was. And actually, 
a friend of mine, her mom had passed away, and she'd asked if I'd speak at her funeral, and her mom's favorite hymn was, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and she wanted the thing sung, and the real one, she said, so it would say, come and raise my Ebenezer, right? So I wonder what Ebenezer was. And you go back, it's Samuel, um, and he, it's an altar. He builds a, takes a stone, and he calls it Ebenezer, and, he, and, and it meant, up to this time, God has been with us. And the promise being, from that time forward, He'll be with us too. So, when you're seeing that, you're really wondering what an Ebenezer is. There you go, that was an aside. Um, there was someone here last week, and as I, like I said, I wasn't really nice to Jacob at this time um, in, in last week. He was a schemer and a scoundrel. Um, and this person said, I don't want to be that person. I'm that person and I don't know what to be. I don't know how to not be that person. And so unfortunately, what I did was in a two-week sermon, I had one was pretty bad news and this one was good news. So the person doesn't get to hear, well, the good news this week. Um, so this week's about good news. Every one of us are sinners and we were without hope. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. There was nothing good in us and we could do nothing because the good we did only gave glory to ourselves, but to God, not to God. We were schemers and scoundrels, just like Jacob, but God in His mercy has made us alive together with Christ. He has sealed us with His Spirit. We are clothed in the righteousness garments of Christ, and He will come again, and we will be with Him in a new heaven and a new earth. God met Jacob at Bethel. Jacob expressed, Jacob expressed God's covenantal grace his response is worship. God made a promise to Jacob's grandfather and his father, yet more than a promise, it was a certainty. Regardless of Jacob's behavior, which he had consequences for, God still keeps His promises. God makes covenants, not contracts. Uh, and I think that's such a a neat truth to know is that God's promises are there. They're covenants, not contracts. It doesn't depend on me. Not like a lease where if I don't pay my rent, the contract's dull, null and void. They're covenants. You fast forward to Jeremiah chapter 31. He said from, from Jacob at Bethel and Jacob back here, and you go forward to Jeremiah, and he said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. Another covenant. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Donnie's going to be preaching in, I'm, this will be a four, in September when he, where, when he gets back on Colossians about marriage. And so it's very important that we remember, I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I'll put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And it goes a few verses further and says, and I will remember their sins no more. You fast forward to Jesus and he's in the upper room and he says, this is my body, he says, with, broken for you. And he says, this is the blood poured out for you. It's a new covenant. 
of my blood. Fast forward to Paul in his letter to Corinthians. And he says, this, the cup, he says, this is the new covenant of my blood. And you fast forward, I don't know if it's forward or not in time, but in my Bible it is, to Hebrews chapter 6. And he says, in verse 13 he starts, For God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and all their disputes an oath is a final confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the, after the order of Melchizedek. We have a sure and perfect hope. And then in First Peter chapter 2, it says, But you are a royal chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it's God's story. Today in our lives, it's God's story. It's not my story. It's God's story. And it's His story of love for His chosen people, His bride, a love sealed in an everlasting covenant, a love sealed by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, a love sealed in the tomb, a love sealed when Jesus rose from the dead, a love sealed when He walked among us as a resurrected, a love sealed when He was ascended into heaven, a love sealed as He's sitting at the right hand of the Father with dominion over everything. It's a, it is sealed when He comes again. It is love that will never let you go. I wanted to sing that song, but we sang it once years ago at St. George's. It's a hymn, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And a guy came up and he says, that was the hardest song I've ever sung. But it's a beautiful hymn. Uh, yeah, Can you pass my phone? Um, it was written by, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? It was actually, if you remember Fanny J. Crosby, it was her favorite hymn, by the way. It's, uh, it was written by George Math Matheson. Um, it's a story goes like this. As he was going blind as a child, he got engaged to a young woman, and she discovered that he was going to go blind. And he... She left him at the altar because she didn't want to be married to a blind man. So he went and he lived with his sister and was there for several years. And then his sister was going to be remarried and told him, blind as he was, that he would have to leave her home. So this wasn't where you could just fall into the social safety net of Canada. This was a man who was blind and uh, who who's people love to him always seem to change. And so he wrote 
this hymn in five minutes. <laughs> o love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O light that fullest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its broken ray, that in the sunshine's blaze its day may brighter be. Um, you could Google it and read the rest. Um, it just is a reminder today, with all that's going on in our world, we have pandemics, we seem to get through that, sort of-ish. We have new variants, it doesn't seem it's going to end. The United Nations came out and said the world's going to burn up. All these things are going on around us. We have families that are, we know that are splitting. We you know all these things that are going around. But in all that, you know, I was reading it in someone's Facebook post today, and they were rejoicing at how heaven and the heavenly, how heaven changes all, should change all the time. And I'm going, that's not a rejoicing to me. Um, heaven can't change because God's there and God doesn't change. So, with all that's going on. Everything. Um, our sure and steadfast anchor for our soul is that God does it. So, let's pray. God, you are a God who doesn't change. Thank you. You are God who uh, will never leave us or forsake us. Uh, you are a God who... Uh, is our husband and we are your bride and you are faithful uh, even when we are unfaithful because you make promises and covenants with your children uh, from beginning to end that we can anchor to. So God, as we go through into this time uh, as we move as a country into uh, an election in the next few weeks. God, that you, we know that your hand is on it. We know that uh, you will be in it, regardless of what the outcome is, is that you are in control of all things. We do pray for the leaders of our country and for those who will lead, that you would give them by your Spirit, uh, your eyes to see and your ears to hear and your mouth to speak. God, we just praise and thank you for all that you have done. And I thank you that you are a rock, steadfast and sure. Remind us of that as we go through this time uh, of great challenge, that you would uh, just uh, give us the hope and the peace that goes beyond all understanding. We praise and thank you for who you are and what you've done. Amen.